0: How y'all doing there? show sure like to thank y'all for stopping by for another episode of this Removing the Illusion podcast, man, look at here. Now, y'all know before we get started here, I always like to tell y'all what I'm smoking on tonight. And tonight, I'm smoking on something real good and consistent here, man. I'm smoking on one of these My Father, the Judge cigars tonight. Man, let me tell y'all, this is a good stick here, man. Padron, My Father, you can never go wrong, man. The consistency in these cigars is just off the chart, man. Let me tell you something. And like I tell you, if you want to take a look at this stick here, go to my website. JP1AVE.com WP. Take a look at this stick here. Now, I told y'all I, I really do like that. Um. Uh, I like I, I like that band. I like that cigar band, or that Olivia Series V Maduro. I like the band on that. I like the band on this. My father too. I like the band. I, you know what? I'm kind of figuring here. I'm liking those dark chocolate with gold trims uh, type of bands. But this is a good stick here, man. Let me tell you something. Now, I'm gonna tell you what these folks say about this stick here first, like I always do. And I'm gonna tell y'all how I'm feeling about it here. Now this thing here is a stunning. Oh, this is a stunning dark Ecuadorian Sumatra Oscura wrapper that delivers a subtle sweetness, I mean a substance sweetness. Inside you'll find a Corujo and Corolla binder and a bivy of three different Nicaraguan fillers. Expect to be met with notes of cedar, leather, nuts, and spice. And and this is a full body blend too. The verdict is in on this stick here. My father the judge is a must have to put in your humidor. Now let me tell y'all something man. Soon as I hit this thing here, I taste them notes in my lips, man. This thing is a good stick. I and mean, this is a good full body stick here. Now, this stick here, this is one of those sticks also that you want to have like after dinner or something like that. You know, or maybe, or, or maybe, you know, maybe after brunch. You know, after brunch or maybe after dinner. You know, this is a good stick here. And the thing about my father, I haven't smoked too many, but they tell me that the consistency is, is consistent no matter which my father you pick on you that you pick up right if you pick that if you like this stick i'm smoking here tonight the judge if i pick this stick up a year from now man let me tell you something it'll still be consistent and you always want to have some my father of the drones in your humidor if you want a good consistent steady smoke so tonight man look y'all go on my website y'all check out what this my father the Judge stick looks like and let we'll me tell you it's a good stick Full of these nice notes, you know. They say, like I say, I can't tell them between a cedar note and a leather note and a spice note. But I can tell you this: I can tell, you know, when it hits my little tongue. And the good thing about these sticks here is that when you smoke them down, almost to almost to the, you know, a quarter. That's when you really start getting all the notes. When you smoke this thing down, see, it starts kind of sub stuff. You know what they say, subtle. You know, subtle, subtle, almost. It starts out kind of slow, and then it builds up as you smoke. This is a good stick, man. My father, the judge, can never go wrong with this stick here. But look here, tonight, tonight, we wanna, I'm gonna take a look at welfare. You know, I'm going to take a look at the welfare, because there's so many misconceptions about this welfare thing, you know, about, you know, which race in our population who gets more welfare and who's most dependent on welfare. And we're going to take a look at this thing, you know, from a, a statistics point of view and a historical point of view, because we want to see the real deal about this thing, because so many times, so many times in our society out here, you know, I think we be paring. you know, we be parroting what the masses say, you know, kind of interesting, because tonight I'm kind of... When, uh, watching uh on uh netflix they got this show called freud it's about sigmund freud now y'all know i just did an episode on sigmund freud now y'all go back there and take a listen to my episode on sigmund freud sigmund freud was a very unique man and it's kind of ironic that i just did a little talk on sigmund freud and now here it is a show, a season It has a season on Netflix just came out with Sigmund, Sigmund Freud. And I'm really enjoying it. And you can understand how the masses are controlled. Now, like I told you, I also did a, a little talk on Edward Bernay. Edward Bernay, he is he is the uh, the nephew, the double nephew of Sigmund Freud. Is it cousin or nephew? I think it's double nephew of Sigmund. Cousin, I think it's double, double cousin of Sigmund Freud, something like that. You know, and also on on on, uh, on the uh, on on the show here, Sigmund Freud, it talks about Martha. See, and I think Martha was, I want to say Martha was Edward Bernay's mother or something like that. Y'all go back and listen to that pod talk, and y'all can get the history of the, the, uh, the connection between Edward Bernay and Sigmund Freud. And the reason why I mention that is because in in lieu welfare thing is when we talk about people parenting things, we're talking about the perception of things and. And then with Brene, he was the master of perception because of stuff that he learned from Sigmund Freud. And he admired his, his uncle. He admired his uncle, too. He admired his uncle, and his uncle gave him a lot of insight on the, on the human psyche. And what I'm learning about Sigmund Freud is that, you know, Sigmund Freud, he was he, he was just a curious fella. He was a curious fella. and he had some off-the-wall thinking. And people at his time did not understand his kind of thinking. And that just like today when we have some of our unique people out here today and they say something and people think they're crazy. Now, we ain't talking about these conspiracy theater fellas. We're talking about people with off-the-wall ideas, you know. People like myself, you know, when I'm all kind of inventor and I do a lot of crazy stuff inventing, and at the time people say it's kind of crazy. But then I, I see like two, three, four years down the line, somebody came up with the exact same product that I invented. And I got a few products out there, you know, that's like that. You know, and that's just like the one I'm working on now. You know, people say I'm crazy for it. And uh, at the time, I tried to, you know, go on these patent things, try to do things the right way. But what this internet thing is, when we develop something, we can take it straight to market now. You know, we don't need to go through these middlemans. But I'm kind of getting off, off track now, what I want to talk about tonight. We're talking about welfare here. We ain't talking about inventing entrepreneurship. And the Elberne and, uh, and the Sig Floyd it's just this way i'm so tired of hearing people saying that you know this this ethnic group getting so much money they depending on the government and these people it is and these people taking our money and like i told y'all everything goes back to money everything goes back to money but before i start running my chops which i almost did just now we're gonna take a look at this welfare thing from historical point of view and a statistic point of view and like i tell you whatever i tell you i want y'all to go back and y'all listen to this thing a few more times to see some of these nuggets that maybe you probably missed the first time you listened to all right so right now before i start running my little chops i'm gonna, I'm gonna sit back here and I'm going to let y'all listen to this thing here on welfare, and then we will going to come back and talk about it. In the meantime, between time, I'm going to be smoking on my father, the judge, cigar. Man, this thing sure is good. So y'all take a listen to this, and I'll come back with y'all on the flip side, okay? All right now, y'all.
1: Welfare. Welfare is a type of government support for the citizens of that society. Welfare may be provided to people of any income level, as with Social Security, and is then often called a social safety net but it is usually intended to ensure that people can meet their basic human needs such as food and shelter. Welfare attempts to provide a minimal level of well-being, usually either a free or a subsidized supply of certain goods and social services, such as health care, education, and vocational training. A welfare state is a political system wherein the state assumes responsibility for the health, education, and welfare of society. The system of social security in a welfare state provides social services, such as universal medical care unemployment insurance for workers, financial aid, free post-secondary education for students, subsidized public housing, and pensions, sickness, incapacity, old age, etc. In 1952, with the Social Security, Minimum Standards, Convention, NR102, the International Labour Organization, ILO, formally defined the social contingencies covered by Social Security. The first welfare state was Imperial Germany, 1871 to 1918, where the Bismarck government introduced social security in 1889 to in the early 20th century, the United Kingdom introduced social security around 1913, and adopted the welfare state with the National Insurance Act 1946, during the Italy government, 1945 to 51. In the countries of Western Europe, Scandinavia, and Australasia, social welfare is mainly provided by the government out of the national tax revenues. And to a lesser extent, by non government organizations, NGOs, and charities, social and religious. In the U.S., welfare program is the general term for government support of the well being of poor people, and the term social security has come to be referred to as U.S. social insurance program for retired and disabled people, even though social security is itself a retirement insurance plan paid for by taxes taken from the individual worker's payroll check and matched by his employer, no part of it is paid by the federal government. In other countries, The term social security has a broader definition, which refers to the economic security that a society offers when people are sick, disabled, and unemployed. In the UK, government use of the term welfare includes help for poor people and benefits, including specific social services such as help in finding employment. History. Distributing alms to the poor, Abbey of Port Royal de Champ C 1710. In the Roman Empire, the first Emperor Augustus provided the kura anani or grain dole for citizens who could not afford to buy food every month. Social welfare was enlarged by the Emperor Trajan. Trajan’s program brought acclaim from many, including Pliny the Younger. the Song Dynasty government, C point 1000 AD in China, supported multiple programs which could be classified as social welfare, including the establishment of retirement homes, public clinics, and paupers' graveyards. According to economist Robert Henry Nelson, the medieval Roman Catholic Church operated a far reaching and comprehensive welfare system for the poor. Early welfare programs in Europe included the English Poor Law of 1601, which gave parishes the responsibility for providing welfare payments to the poor. The system was substantially modified by the 19th century Poor Law Amendment Act, which introduced the system of workhouses. Public assistance programs were not called welfare until the early 20th century when the term was quickly adopted to avoid the negative connotations that had become associated with older terms such as charity. It was predominantly in the late 19th and early 20th centuries that an organized system of state welfare provision was introduced in many countries. Otto von Bismarck, Chancellor of Germany, introduced one of the first welfare systems for the working classes. In Great Britain the Liberal government of Henry Campbell Bannerman and David Lloyd George introduced the National Insurance System in 1911, a system later expanded by Clement Attlee. The United States inherited England's poorhouse laws and has had a form of welfare since before it won its independence citation needed. During the Great Depression, when emergency relief measures were introduced under President Franklin D. Roosevelt, Roosevelt's New Deal focused predominantly on a program of providing work and stimulating the economy through public spending on projects rather than on cash payment. Modern welfare states include Germany, France, the Netherlands as well as the Nordic countries, such as Iceland, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, and Finland which employ a system known as the Nordic model. Esping Andersen classified the most developed welfare state systems into three categories – social democratic, conservative, and liberal. In the Islamic world, zakat, charity, one of the five pillars of Islam, has been collected by the government since the time of the Rashidun Caliph Umar in the 7th century. The taxes were used to provide income for the needy, including the poor, elderly, orphans, widows, and the disabled. According to the Islamic jurist Al-Ghazali Al Al-Ghazal, 1058 the government was also expected to store up food supplies in every region in case a disaster or famine occurred. The World Bank's 2019 World Development Report on the Changing Nature of Work considers whether traditional social assistance models continue to be appropriate given that, in 2018, 8 in 10 people in developing countries still receive no social assistance while 6 in 10 work informally beyond the government's reach. According to a 2012 review study, whether a welfare program generates public support depends on whether the program is universal or targeted towards certain groups. The size of the social program benefits, larger benefits incentivize greater mobilization to defend a social program. The visibility and traceability of the benefits, whether recipients know where the benefits come from. The proximity and concentration of the beneficiaries, this affects the ease by which beneficiaries can organize to protect a social program. The duration of the benefits, longer benefits incentivize greater mobilization to defend a social program. The manner in which a program is administered e.g. is the program inclusive, does it follow principles. Forms. Welfare can take a variety of forms, such as monetary payments, subsidies, and vouchers, or housing assistance. Welfare systems differ from country to country, but welfare is commonly provided to individuals who are unemployed, those with illness or disability, the elderly, those with dependent children, and veterans. A person's eligibility for welfare may also be constrained by means testing or other conditions. Provision and funding. Welfare is provided by governments or their agencies, by private organizations, or a combination of both. Funding for welfare usually comes from general government revenue, but when dealing with charities or NGOs, donations may be used. Some countries run conditional cash transfer welfare programs where payment is conditional on behavior of the recipients. Welfare systems. Australia. Prior to 1900 in Australia, Charitable assistance from benevolent societies, sometimes with financial contributions from the authorities, was the primary means of relief for people not able to support themselves. The 1890s economic depression and the rise of the trade unions and the Labour parties during this period led to a movement for welfare reform. In 1900, the states of New South Wales and Victoria enacted legislation introducing non contributory pensions for those aged 65 and over. Queensland legislated a similar system in 1907 before the Australian Labour Commonwealth government led by Andrew Fisher introduced a National Aged Pension under the Invalid and Old Aged Pensions Act 1908. A National Invalid Disability Pension was started in 1910, and a National Maternity Allowance was introduced in 1912. During the Second World War, Australia under a Labour government created a welfare state by enacting national schemes for Child Endowment in 1941, superseding the 1927 New South Wales Scheme, a widow's pension in 1942, superseding the New South Wales 1926 Scheme, a wife's allowance in 1943, additional allowances for the children of pensioners in 1943, and unemployment, sickness, and special benefits in 1945, superseding the Queensland 1923 Scheme. Canada Canada has a welfare state in the European tradition, however, it is not referred to as welfare but rather as social programmes. In Canada, welfare usually refers specifically to direct payments to poor individuals, as in the American usage, and not to health care and education spending, as in the European usage. The Canadian social safety net covers a broad spectrum of programmes, and because Canada is a federation, many are run by the provinces. Canada has a wide range of government transfer payments to individuals, which totaled $145 billion in 2006. Only social programs that direct funds to individuals are included in that cost, programs such as Medicare and public education are additional costs. Generally speaking, before the Great Depression, most social services were provided by religious charities and other private groups. Changing government policy between the 1930s and 1960s saw the emergence of a welfare state, similar to many Western European countries. Most programs from that era are still in use, although many were scaled back during the 1990s as government priorities shifted towards reducing debt and deficits. Denmark Danish welfare is handled by the state through a series of policies, and the like, that seeks to provide welfare services to citizens, hence the term welfare state. This refers not only to social benefits, but also tax-funded education, public child care, medical care, etc. A number of these services are not provided by the state directly, but administered by municipalities, regions, or private providers through outsourcing. This sometimes gives a source of tension between the state and municipalities, as there is not always consistency between the promises of welfare provided by the state, i.e. parliament, and local perception of what it would cost to fulfill these promises. France Main articles, poverty in France, social protection in France, French Fifth Risk Plan, Revenue de solidarite active, and revenue minimum de insertion. Solidarity is a strong value of the French social protection system. The first article of the French Code of Social Security describes the principle of solidarity. Solidarity is commonly comprehended in relations of similar work, shared responsibility, and common risks. Existing solidarities in France caused the expansion of health and social security. Germany. The welfare state has a long tradition in Germany dating back to the Industrial Revolution. Due to the pressure of the workers' movement in the late 19th century, Reichskanzler Otto von Bismarck introduced the first rudimentary state social insurance scheme. Under Adolf Hitler, the National Socialist Programme stated we demand an expansion on a large scale of old age welfare. Today, the social protection of all its citizens is considered a central pillar of German national policy. 27.6% of Germany's GDP is channeled into an all-embracing system of health, pension, accident, long-term care, and unemployment insurance, compared to 16.2% in the US. In addition, there are tax-financed services such as child benefits, Kindergeld, beginning at €192 per month for the first and second child, €198 for the third and €223 for each child thereafter until they attain 25 years or receive their first professional qualification, and basic provisions for those unable to work or anyone with an income below the poverty line. Since 2005, reception of full unemployment pay, 60-67% to 67% of the previous net salary, has been restricted to 12 months in general and 18 months for those over 55. This is now followed by, usually much lower, Arbeitslosengeld 2, ALG II, or fee, which is independent of previous employment, hearts for concept. Under ALG2, a single person receives 391 euros per month plus the cost of adequate housing and health insurance. ALG2 can also be paid partially to supplement a low work income. Italy The Italian welfare state's foundations were laid along the lines of the corporatist conservative model, or of its Mediterranean variant citation needed later, in the 1960s and 1970s, increases in public spending and a major focus on universality brought it on the same path as social democratic systems. In 1978, a universalistic welfare model was introduced in Italy, offering a number of universal and free services such as a national health fund. Japan. Social welfare, assistance for the ill or otherwise disabled and for the old, has long been provided in Japan by both the government and private companies. Beginning in the 1920s, The government enacted a series of welfare programs, based mainly on European models, to provide medical care and financial support. During the post-war period, a comprehensive system of social security was gradually established. Latin America. History. The 1980s marked a change in the structure of Latin American social protection programs. Social protection embraces three major areas, social insurance, financed by workers and employers, social assistance to the population's poorest, financed by the state, and labor market regulations to protect worker rights. 35 Although diverse, recent Latin American social policy has tended to concentrate on social assistance. The 1980s had a significant effect on social protection policies. Prior to the 1980s, most Latin American countries focused on social insurance policies involving formal sector workers, assuming that the informal sector would disappear with economic development. The economic crisis of the 1980s and the liberalization of the labor market led to a growing informal sector and a rapid increase in poverty and inequality. Latin American countries did not have the institutions and funds to properly handle such a crisis, both due to the structure of the social security system, and to the previously implemented Structural Adjustment Policies that had decreased the size of the state. New welfare programs have integrated the multidimensional, social risk management, and capabilities approaches into poverty alleviation. They focus on income transfers and service provisions while aiming to alleviate both long- and short-term poverty through, among other things, education, health, security, and housing. Unlike previous programs that targeted the working class, new programs have successfully focused on locating and targeting the very poorest. The impacts of social assistance programs vary between countries, and many programs have yet to be fully evaluated. According to Barrientos and Sant Ibanez, the programs have been more successful in increasing investment in human capital than in bringing households above the poverty line. Challenges still exist, including the extreme inequality levels and the mass scale of poverty, locating a financial basis for programs, and deciding on exit strategies or on the long-term establishment of programs. 1980s Impacts The economic crisis of the 1980s led to a shift in social policies, as understandings of poverty and social programs evolved. New, mostly short-term programs emerged. These include Major aspects of current social assistance programs Conditional cash transfer, CCT, combined with service provisions Transfer cash directly to households, most often through the women of the household, if certain conditions are met, e.g. children's school attendance or doctor visits. Providing free schooling or health care is often not sufficient, because there is an opportunity cost for the parents in, for example, sending children to school, lost labor power, or in paying for the transportation costs of getting to a health clinic. Household. The household has been the focal point of social assistance programs. Target the poorest. Recent programs have been more successful than past ones in targeting the poorest. Previous programs often targeted the working class. Multidimensional. Programs have attempted to address many dimensions of poverty at once. Chile Solidario is the best example. New Zealand New Zealand is often regarded as having one of the first comprehensive welfare systems in the world. During the 1890s a liberal government adopted many social programs to help the poor who had suffered from a long economic depression in the 1880s. One of the most far-reaching was the passing of tax legislation that made it difficult for wealthy sheep farmers to hold onto their large land holdings. This and the invention of refrigeration led to a farming revolution where many sheep farms were broken up and sold to become smaller dairy farms. This enabled thousands of new farmers to buy land and develop a new and vigorous industry that has become the backbone of New Zealand's economy to this day. This liberal tradition flourished with increased enfranchisement for indigenous Maori in the 1880s and women. Pensions for the elderly, the poor and war casualties followed, with state-run schools, hospitals, and subsidized medical and dental care. By 1960 New Zealand was able to afford one of the best developed and most comprehensive welfare systems in the world, supported by a well-developed and stable economy. Sweden Social welfare in Sweden is made up of several organizations and systems dealing with welfare. It is mostly funded by taxes, and executed by the public sector on all levels of government as well as private organizations. It can be separated into three parts falling under three different ministries, social welfare, falling under the responsibility of Ministry of Health and Social Affairs, Education, under the responsibility of the Ministry of Education and Research and Labor Market, under the responsibility of Ministry of Employment. Government pension payments are financed through an 18.5% pension tax on all taxed incomes in the country, which comes partly from a tax category called a public pension fee, 7% on gross income, and 30% of a tax category called employer fees on salaries, which is 33% on a netted income. Since January 2001, the 18.5% is divided in two parts: 16% goes to current payments, and 2.5% goes into individual retirement accounts, which were introduced in 2001. Money saved and invested in government funds, and IRAs for future pension costs, are roughly five times annual government pension expenses: 725-150. United Kingdom. UK Government Welfare Expenditure 2011-12 State Pension, 46.32% Housing Benefit, 10.55% Disability Living Allowance, 7.87% Pension Credit, 5.06% Income Support, 4.31% Rent Rebates, 3.43% Attendance Allowance, 3.31% Job seekers allowance, 3.06%. Incapacity benefit, 3.06%. Council tax benefit, 3%. Other, 10.03%. The United Kingdom has a long history of welfare, notably including the English Poor Laws which date back to 1536. After various reforms to the program, which involved workhouses, it was eventually abolished and replaced with a modern system by laws such as National Assistance Act 1948. In more recent times, comparing the cameron Clay coalition's austerity measures with the opposition's, the respected Financial Times commentator Martin Wolf commented that the big shift from labor is the cuts in welfare benefits. The government's austerity program, which involves reduction in government policy, has been linked to a rise in food banks. A study published in the British Medical Journal in 2015 found that each one percentage point increase in the rate of job seekers' allowance claimants sanctioned was associated with a 0.09 percentage point rise in food bank use. The austerity program has faced opposition from disability rights groups for disproportionately affecting disabled people. The bedroom tax is an austerity measure that has attracted particular criticism, with activists arguing that two-thirds of council houses affected by the policy are occupied with a person with a disability. United States. President Roosevelt signs the Social Security Act, August 14, 1935. Welfare in America. In the United States, depending on the context, the term welfare can be used to refer to means-tested cash benefits, especially the Aid to Families with Dependent Children AFDC, program and its successor, the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families Block Grant, or it can be used to refer to all means-tested programs that help individuals or families meet basic needs, including, for example, health care through Medicaid, supplemental security income (SSI) benefits and food and nutrition. Programs, SNAP. It can also include social insurance programs such as unemployment insurance, social security, and Medicare. AFDC, originally called Aid to Dependent Children, was created during the Great Depression to alleviate the burden of poverty for families with children and allow widowed mothers to maintain their households. The New Deal employment programs such as the Works Progress Administration primarily served men. Prior to the New Deal, anti-poverty programs were primarily operated by private charities or state or local governments, however, these programs were overwhelmed by the depth of need during the Depression. The United States has no national program of cash assistance for non-disabled poor individuals who are not raising children. Until early in the year of 1965, the news media was conveying only whites as living in poverty however that perception had changed to blacks. Some of the influences in this shift could have been the civil rights movement and urban riots from the mid-sixties. Welfare had then shifted from being a white issue to a black issue and during this time frame the war on poverty had already begun 43. subsequently news media portrayed stereotypes of blacks as lazy, undeserving, and welfare queens. These shifts in media don't necessarily establish the population living in poverty decreasing. A chart showing the overall decline of average monthly welfare benefits, AFDC then TANF, per recipient 1962 to 2006, in 2006 dollars. In 1996, the Personal Responsibility and Work Opportunity Reconciliation Act changed the structure of welfare payments and added new criteria to states that received welfare funding. After reforms, which President Clinton said would end welfare as we know it, amounts from the federal government were given out in a flat rate per state based on population. Each state must meet certain criteria to ensure recipients are being encouraged to work themselves out of welfare. The new program is called Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, TANF, dot it encourages states to require some sort of employment search in exchange for providing funds to individuals, and imposes a five-year lifetime limit on cash assistance. In FI 2010, 31.8% of TANF families were white. 31.9% were African American. And 30% were Hispanic. According to the U.S. Census Bureau data released September 13, 2011, the nation's poverty rate rose to 15.1%, 46.2 million, In 2010 50 up from 14.3 percent, approximately 43.6 million, in 2009 and to its highest level since 1993. In 2008, 13.2 percent, 39.8 million, Americans lived in relative poverty. In a 2011 op-ed in Forbes, Peter Ferrara stated that, The best estimate of the cost of the 185 federal means-tested welfare programs for 2010 for the federal government alone is nearly $700 billion, up a third since 2008, according to the Heritage Foundation. Counting state spending, total welfare spending for 2010 reached nearly $900 billion, up nearly one-fourth since 2008, 24.3 percent, 52 California, with 12 percent of the U.S. population, as one-third of the nation's welfare recipients. In FI 2011, federal spending on means-tested welfare, plus state contributions to federal programs, reached $927 billion per year. Roughly half of this welfare assistance, or $462 billion, went to families with children, most of which are headed by single parents. The United States has also typically relied on charitable giving through nonprofit agencies and fundraising instead of direct monetary assistance from the government itself. According to Giving USA, Americans gave $358.38 billion to charity in 2014. This is rewarded by the United States government through tax incentives for individuals and companies that are not typically seen in other countries. Criticism Income transfers can be either conditional or unconditional. Conditionalities are sometimes criticized as being paternalistic and unnecessary. Current programs have been built as short-term rather than as permanent institutions, and many of them have rather short time spans, around five years. Some programs have time frames that reflect available funding. One example of this is Bolivia's Bonasol, which is financed by proceeds from the privatization of utilities and unsustainable funding source. Some see Latin America's social assistance programs as a way to patch up high levels of poverty and inequalities, partly brought on by the current economic system. Some opponents of welfare argue that it affects work incentives. They also argue that the taxes levied can also affect work incentives. A good example of this would be the reform of the Aid to Families with Dependent Children program. Per AFDC, some amount per recipient is guaranteed. However, for every dollar the recipient earns the monthly stipend is decreased by an equivalent amount for most persons this reduces their incentive to work this program was replaced by temporary aid to needy families tanf under tanf people were required to actively seek employment while receiving aid and they could only receive aid for a limited amount of time however states can choose the amount of resources they will devote to the program 15 welfare statistics by race state are on welfare And payment welfare statistics by race, state, and payment. There are approximately 12.8 million Americans on welfare, accounting for 4.1 percent of the U.S. population. An estimated 131.9 billion dollars is spent by the government on welfare each year. Welfare demographics the following percentages are recipients of welfare based on race, and to put into perspective, I'm going to tell you how much of the U.S. population that race represents white. 38.8% of the United States are on welfare. White represent 76.6% of the U.S. population. Black, 39.8% of the United States are on welfare. Black represent 13.4% of the U.S. population. Hispanic, 15.7% of the United States are on welfare. Hispanic represent 18.1% of the U.S. population. Asian, 2.4% percent of the United States are on welfare. Asian represent 5.8% of the US population. Other, 3.3% of the United States are on welfare. Other combined represent 2.9% of the US population. Let me put this into perspective for folks who demonized blacks for being welfare queens, lazy and freeloaders. Again, blacks represent 13.4% of the US population with 39.8% of the United States being on welfare. So here the maths break down. 13.4% of the US blacks. 39.8% of blacks are on welfare. Leaving 8.07% and out of that 8.07%, 49% are locked up in privatized prisons, leaving around 4% receiving no government assistance, or locked up in a privatized prison being locked up for 100 times the cost of welfare. Okay, back to welfare. Average duration spent on welfare. These percentages are based on the time frame welfare recipients receive assistance. Less than 7 months, 19%. 7 to 12 months, 15.2%. 1 to 2 years, 19.3%. 2 to 5 years, 26.9%. Over 5 years, 19.6%. Additional welfare statistics The average welfare recipient receives $1,000 a month in benefits. Thirty-nine states pay more in welfare than an $8-per-hour job. Six states pay more in welfare than a $12-per-hour job. Eight states pay more in welfare than the average salary of a U.S. teacher. Trends in welfare States with higher welfare recipients than employed population. The following listing of states has more residents that receive welfare versus an employed population. 1. California 2. New Mexico 3. Hawaii 4. Mississippi 5. Alabama. 6. South Carolina. 7. Illinois. 8. Kentucky. 9. Ohio. 10. New York. 11. Maine. Top states with increasing welfare. As cash assistance programs have been cut, the number of food stamp recipients has grown in all 50 states in the United States. The top 10 states with highest rate of change are listed below. 1. Idaho, 24.2%. 2. Nevada, 22.4 percent. 3. Indiana, 21.8 percent. 4. Utah, 19.6 percent. 5. Wisconsin, 19.1 percent. 6. Maryland, 17.8 percent. 7. Massachusetts, 17.5 percent. 8. Georgia, 17.3 percent. 9. Washington, 16.4 percent. 10. Delaware, 14.9 percent. 19 Biggest Pros and Cons of Welfare Welfare can be defined as the happiness, health, and good fortune of an individual or group. It is also the financial support that is given to people who are in need, through social efforts, legislation, and statutory procedures. In essence, welfare programs are a government subsidy that is paid directly to people with a qualifying income. In the United States, qualification requires a household income falling below a specific percentage of the poverty level. To qualify for welfare in 2018, a family of four in the U.S. must earn $25,100 or less for the entire year. There are currently six welfare programs available in the United States right now, SSI, TANF, Medicaid, food stamps, SNAP, EITC, and housing assistance. The federal government pays for the services, which are then administered by state governments. States have the option to supplement these supports if they wish. Welfare is often seen as an entitlement program. They are not, as they do not require prior contributions to qualify. Here are the biggest pros and cons of welfare under its current structure. List of the biggest pros of welfare. 1. It is intended to help people get back on their feet. Welfare programs are not intended to be a long-term solution for people to sit and collect checks. It is intended to help people get back on their feet if something happens to their income. These programs also provide a safety net for those who experience a disability which prevents them from working for some reason. Because of this, many programs cap the benefit time or amount that is awarded to qualifying applicants. 2. It can help to reduce crime levels in low income neighborhoods. Welfare programs are often associated with higher levels of crime. The opposite tends to be true. See Fritz Foley examined 12 major American cities in 2011 and found a direct correlation to the effects of neighborhood crime and the cycles of welfare payments. The lowest levels of crime in each city, in each low-income neighborhood, occurred during the time when households had the most access to their welfare benefits. Higher levels of crime occurred during extended delays in receiving benefits, suggesting that most crime occurs because of a direct financial motivation. 3. It supports children more than any other demographic. In the United States, a majority of the people who receive benefits through the six welfare programs are children. According to the Department of Health and Human Services, about 50% of their total caseload involves child-only cases. Three out of four household applications to TANF involves children. 89% of families with children received some type of medical welfare benefit. In 2015, the average TANF payment to a family with one child was $332 per month. 84% of those families also received SNAP, 12% received subsidized housing, and 8% had subsidized child care. 4. It offers help to the families who typically need it the most. In 2017, a group of 12 people were prosecuted for $20 million in food stamp fraud. The case involved eight small convenience stores in southern Florida, creating an illegal benefits exchange system. Although fraud is possible in any welfare program, especially if there is lax oversight for the program, the majority of people who receive benefits need them. A vast majority of people who receive welfare benefits are in a financial position where it is needed. 5. It supplements the income of people who are already working. People who are already working receive welfare benefits to help supplement their income. 29% of low-wage employees are single parents. To become part of the working poor, individuals must often pass a drug test. They may be required to have their credit be at a certain level. Employment references are often mandatory. Certain criminal offenses may directly disqualify someone from many employment opportunities. Many who receive these benefits are working in jobs that range from $7.50 to $9.00 per hour. 6. It is only made available to qualified applicants. Undocumented workers and illegal immigrants are not generally permitted to receive welfare benefits. A work visa must be provided as evidence for an individual's ability to work, at minimum, to apply for certain programs. In many instances, if a worker with a visa loses their job, cannot find a job, or does not maintain a certain standard of living, then their permission to stay is revoked. Some countries take this provision a step further, requiring anyone who receives welfare benefits to be a naturalized citizen at minimum. Some undocumented workers or illegal immigrants in the U.S. may have spouses or children that are citizens. Because the spouse or the children are citizens, they would qualify for benefits. 7. It lessens the risk of catastrophe for everyone. Let's say you own a home. You don't know when it might burn down, experience a flood, or have a tree fall through the roof. It might never happen. It might happen tomorrow. To prevent financial losses, you obtain an insurance product and pay monthly premiums into a general fund. There are other homeowners like you who are doing the exact same thing. Then, if something happens, you can draw upon that fund because you've been paying into it. Because the risks are spread out along the entire population of homeowners, the actual costs are minimal instead of catastrophic if the unexpected happens. That is what welfare programs provide to people as well. In a free market system, good people can lose their jobs through no fault of their own. By providing a form of social insurance, the risks of losing a job are less because there is a fund to draw upon. 8. It supports better health in those who receive benefits. Roger Arnold, who contributes regularly to real money, suggests that there is a direct correlation between an individual's health and their ability to earn an income. Those who don't have a job or health care typically have a shorter lifespan. Many benefit programs require specific health care requirements as part of the qualification requirements. WIC. For example, requires blood tests for children to ensure they are receiving the correct nutritional profile to continue paying benefits. 9. It reduces that amount of income inequality which occurs. Critics of welfare programs often point to the fact that people receive benefits for doing nothing. That takes money away from people who are working hard to earn it. The reality of the modern welfare program, however, is that it replaces what used to be built into the tax structures of an economy in the first place, especially in the United States it wasn't that long ago that the top tax income bracket in the U.S. was over 90 percent. Today, with the Trump administration cuts, it has dropped to 37 percent. 10. It reduces poverty. According to the Kaiser Foundation, in 1992, just 14 percent of people above the age of 65 lived in poverty in the United States. In 2016, just 9% of people in the 65-plus-age demographic lived in poverty and the overall poverty rate declined to just 13%. In Minnesota, the poverty rate for the 65-plus-age demographic is just 5%. Social Security benefits and welfare programs are believed to be contributing factors to this reduction of poverty in the 65-plus-age demographic. That is why the rates of poverty are double that for children in the U.S. in comparison. In states like Mississippi, a child is three times more likely to be living in welfare than someone who could enroll in AARP. Welfare programs close the gap on poverty and provide help to those who need the most help. Welfare statistics. List of the biggest cons of welfare. 1 It is an ineffective support system. In 2018, the federal poverty income requirement to receive welfare for an individual was just $12,140. An additional $4,320 is added per individual within the household. The combination of income and family size becomes problematic for many households that are attempting to qualify for welfare benefits. If one working parent has four children and a spouse that stays at home, earning $16.50 per hour will disqualify that household from qualifying for most welfare benefits on the federal level. 2. It creates unnecessary negative societal stigmas. People who accept welfare benefits are often treated as being an inferior part of society. They are viewed as being lazy, unwilling to find a job, and generally unworthy. To reduce those stigmas, many state governments have looked at stiffening the requirements to receive welfare benefits. Work or training qualifications may apply. Drug testing may be required. The purpose of these actions is to empower people to lift themselves out of poverty. In reality, it causes those who receive benefits to be treated as secondary citizens. 3. It offers inconsistent supports. In the United States, the states are permitted to set many of their own rules on who receives benefits. That means a family might qualify for welfare benefits in one state, but not another state. This inconsistency can restrict access to welfare programs because families may think they don't qualify for benefits, based on their previous experiences. The inconsistency also means that some states may not offer access to certain benefits and programs. When Medicaid expansion was permitted through the Affordable Care Act, 18 states have so far decided against providing the extra services. For it does not address the issue of why poverty exists. We live in times that are changing rapidly. Technologies are changing the way we can be productive. In the next 10 years, automation, AI, and other forces could put up to half of the current workforce into unemployment. For that reason, a basic income guarantee has been proposed as a way to counter this issue. Even that form of welfare does not actually address the root cause of poverty. People need certain skills to be competitive in any job market. They also need access to basic living supplies to support themselves. As the world transitions to a high skill requirement, providing rudimentary benefits are not as effective as providing free vocational training, educational access, or other programs that support a chance to adjust to these changes for those who wish it. 5. It can create patterns of dependence in some individuals and households. Proponents of welfare programs suggest it is our responsibility as a society to provide for those who cannot provide for themselves. Critics of these programs point to the fact that meeting someone's needs, without any requirements, creates a system of dependency. There is no incentive for someone to work or learn a new skill if they are satisfied having their basic needs met. To limit dependence, Many programs cap the number of benefits that can be paid to households over a specific time period. 6. It is a system that can be abused by those who don't need financial help. Every business and program experiences losses because of fraud each year. A good rule to practice is to budget a 6% cost for losses due to undesired consumer activity. Welfare abuse schemes have been in place since the programs began. In a 2012 committee examining only Social Security Disability benefits, Out of 300 cases examined, 25% of payment recipients were receiving benefits based on evidence that was incomplete, insufficient, or contradictory. That's not to say everyone is attempting to commit fraud when they receive welfare. In some counties, the rates of welfare fraud are well below 1%. When there are billions of dollars at stake and households that do need these supports, rooting out the fraud must become a top priority. 7. It encourages family cycles of welfare dependence. Children who live in families that depend on welfare benefits are more likely to find themselves on welfare programs as an adult. With an average daily benefit of just $25, in all available benefits, that puts a U.S. household receiving welfare into the top 20% of global income earners. From reporting by The Washington Post, there are 11 states where government aid can pay more than the average pre tax wages for a teacher. In Hawaii, the highest total value of welfare benefits is over $49,000 per year. 8. It requires people to apply for the programs to receive benefits. Welfare benefits are not handed out to families unless they provide an application and are approved for the program. In the United States, many families who are eligible to apply for programs aren't doing it. Before welfare program reforms were implemented in 1995, 84% of families who were eligible for benefits participated in programs. By 2005, just 40% of qualifying families were actually participating in cash assistance programs offered by state and national governments. 9. It is costly. The total amount spent on all means-tested welfare programs in the United States, including state and federal funding, is $1.03 trillion per year. About half of the costs are directed toward health care. Another 40% is directed toward food, housing, or cash assistance. As of 2011, that was more than the annual budget for all services and needs in more than 180 countries.
0: All right, there, y'all. What y'all think about that? Welfare. Y'all see some of those statistics? I know these people be out there saying that this ethnic group, you know, they getting all the welfare money. They lazy. They don't want to work. They, they, get, they have these generational welfare. But as y'all see the statistics, statistics don't lie. So things don't lie and especially you know when you look at when you, when you when you start looking at the population and the num and the, the population numbers Of certain groups of people in this country and then the numbers of how many of those people that's on welfare you can see those disproportionate as word's a big word there disproportionate numbers you see what I'm saying so when y'all out there and y'all talk about these folks getting all the welfare and, and you know they're getting all the government subsidies you know you need to stop it. They need to take a look at the data, the figures, and you may you may look in the mirror and find out that it's your group that's getting all of this, this, this proportionate to the to the to the population that's getting all the welfare and the, and the benefits. You know what I mean? You got to look at that kind of stuff. But I was thinking about here, this thing welfare. When you go back and you look at welfare and when welfare was started, you know it's kind of made me think about today the when they when they talking about uh, they are talk, talking about. Uh, basic and universal basic income for everybody you know what once they talk they got this politician i don't know if he's chinese japanese uh i'm just gonna call him asian maybe that just cover everything whatever his nationality i i just say asian so that'll cover everything i think it's a michael yang or chang or young or whatever his name is uh he was talking about you know getting everybody like twenty five thousand dollars a year because the computers are coming and they're going to take over everybody's jobs and people ain't going to have no job, they not going to have any income, so what we're going to do is we're going to subsidize them. You know, we're going to give people $25,000 a month, you know, is it 25000 2500 something like that. Not 20, 25000 a year maybe and maybe 2500 a month, something like that, you know, just to pay people to do absolutely nothing. You know, and you think about it, you, th- you think about the concept he's talking about now with this universal basic income. You compare that to when welfare first started, you know, where you, where, you know, at first, you know, you kind of subsidize, take some money and you help kind of the old people who can't make it. And then it kind of, re- then it kind of engulf into, you know, mothers with kids, you know, they couldn't make it, you know, kind of subsidize them a little bit. And then as it go and get the generation thing, everybody get addicted to it. Like I told y'all. Everybody no matter rich or poor People get addicted to handouts Just like I tell you about that cheap money money. These bended folks They addicted to that cheap money And that's like anybody gets addicted to anything That's getting handed out to them you know, if you want to get somebody some money, some welfare, some food stamps, a thousand dollars a month to do nothing to stay at home, because it was when they when they when they when they do the math on things, if they go out there and find a job for eight dollars an hour or whatever to get to paying taxes, then they they ain't making they ain't a thousand dollars a month. On top of that, they got their bills and utilities on 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 top. Now, see, now I'm the type of person. I believe in personal responsibility myself. I figures like this here. You know, I figures that you know. Well, I can't. I, I'm not. I'm not, not going to even say how I figure, because everybody is not in a position. My thing of it is with welfare or even universal basic income. You know, my thing of it is if you're going to do something like welfare, I think the old folks should always be taken care of first, always. And I think personal responsibility got to come into it too. But if you get somebody, you know, if you start getting young, young, you know, young people money. Well, no matter what color he is, because you got to mention as many white gals out there having babies on welfare than you do black girls. And I again, y'all y'all saw the disproportionate numbers. You saw the numbers. You saw the numbers. You heard the numbers. It's disappointing. I don't care who it is. If people get addicted to this cheap money, what they're going to do is, they gonna, if, if they figure they can have more babies or whatever to get on welfare to get more substance, then people going to do it. People going to take advantage of the system, whether you poor or you rich. You gonna take advantage of the system because the system is dead. You are gonna learn the rules. You will take advantage of it. You know, I've heard I've heard people out here. I've heard I, I know I, I know this company. This, I know this one couple right now. They married. They they are uh, they they are uh, hitched up like a mule to a plow. You know, they've been married all these years, and they both got two different last names, but they married. They hitched up. Now she getting Section Eight. She getting Section Eight from the government, right? She gets Section Eight. She paid $25 a month for her house. Her husband stay there and the two kids and now probably about four or five grandkids. Stay in that house for $25 a month. Husband, he's got a company where, where he where he do stuff outside the house. He got a company, he makes pretty good money. And they up here living high on the hog. High on the hog. She paying $25 a month. $25. And also her utilities also being subsidized, also. And her husband worked. And they've been pulling this scam for years and years and years and years. And like I say, they hitched up they married but they kept it, they kept these two separate last names. Now I'm not mad at them for taking advantage of the system, just like I'm not mad at the rich fella who gets this cheap money and do whatever he do with it. I can't be mad at folks who work in the system because the system is there for you. Cause see, Every, you see, if I like every like, I remember it had this one program when I had a couple of rent houses. It was uh, a it matter of fact it, it was section it was section eight, section eight when I, I had a rent house and I had an old gal in there, and I was getting my money directly from from the government every month on time. But see, but what they don't tell you is that these people who run these uh, section eight programs they have a vested interest of in put people in houses because if the government if if somebody paying me twelve hundred dollars a month. For a rent house, that means that the government is probably giving them about twenty five hundred. You see what I'm saying? And they split in half with me. They paying half me for rent, and the other, and the other, and the other half is going them for administration fees. So, because what what enlightened me was when I started having a problem with this. Now here I, am, I got I got a girl I got I got a girl in my place, right? She paying me twenty five dollars or something like that a month. Right? Talk about all the money. The rest is coming out from Section 8. They give me a check, right? This girl told my house up because she, she didn't have no skin in the game. And the one thing that I don't like about it is that when a person don't have a vested interest in something, they ain't going to take care of it. And that's how this girl was with my house.